Hello, I'm Tamar Rodney, and you're listening to The United States of Nursing, a limited edition series on our On The Pulse podcast. In this special series, we will feature students, faculty, and alumni who are making an impact in their local communities across the United States. In every town across all 50 states, nurses are the innovative leaders who focus on communities, social determinants of health, and the local and national policies that impact the health of our nation. On this fourth and final episode of this special series, we will speak with Megan Lopez, a family nurse practitioner and chief strategy officer at Global Support and Development. Megan graduated from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing with her BSN in 2007, her MSN in 2010, and her DNP in 2019. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much, Tamara. It's a pleasure to be here. Can we start thinking about your extensive time spent in nursing? What brought you to nursing in the first place? Well, that's a great question. So I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Paraguay, and I lived in a community that was a two-hour walk into the mountains. We didn't have any motorized vehicles. You could ride on on an ox cart, but that was definitely not faster. And where I lived, there was no, there was no form of healthcare. The closest healthcare was to walk back out of the mountains those two hours. And there was a clinic that worked one day a week, mostly, or you could ride a bus to the nearest city, which was like an hour, but the buses were irregular. And so where I lived, people really didn't have access to healthcare. There was a community midwife and people frequently had both health prevention issues and health crisis issues that there were no solutions for. And the one that sticks out in my mind the most and what really made me think, I was, I was a beekeeping and soil conservation uh, support to the community. And so we did a lot, of, a, a lot of that work, but really what people were most interested in was, was health, whether it was wash, so water, sanitation, hygiene, or whether it was family gardens. But the, the moment that really sticks out to me as the, oh, wow, I, I wish I had more skills or more to offer here, was when we were in the middle of harvesting cotton and it's the, at that point, it was the cash crop, one of the cash crops. And so we we're waking up and harvesting in, in the moonlight at two and three in the morning. And a little girl cut her foot on a, on a rusted nail on, on a fence as she went by. And she started to get a very severe infection. And the family couldn't take her to healthcare because if they did, they would have lost the entire cash crop that we were rushing against uh, the rains to be able to harvest. And I, I just remember in that moment, just feeling so profoundly the, the lack of access that they had and, and wishing that I knew more to do other than just cleaning the wound daily, which was kind of what I could offer at that point. That is such an inspiring story. And it's very often that we hear individuals who are coming into nursing from different backgrounds. Now you've launched into a different direction um, in organizations, specifically global support and development. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's that role transition like from being a nurse and your current role as being the chief strategy officer in that organization? Yeah. Well, I feel like I never transitioned out of being a nurse. I feel like it's just a new (laughs) facet of being a nurse. So at Global Support and Development, I am the chief strategy officer. And so we are a disaster response organization. We focus largely on uh, the Caribbean, Caribbean Basin, so Latin America as well, and South Pacific. 
and working with communities to respond to their crises and disasters that face those communities. In that sense, I feel like it's it's the same work, just in a different facet, in that it is working with communities to better understand what is it that they need to determine what would be the most supportive in reaching goals of health, wellness, resilience for those communities. And, and I think that's actually at the heart of a lot of nursing work as well. It's wonderful. And an important message that as a nurse, you are qualified to work in so many different areas and follow your passions, really, which is what it sounds like you're doing coming out of the Peace Corps. And as I mentioned in our intro, you are a DNP prepared nurse. And while you were here at the School of Nursing, your DNP project looked at studying breaking cycles of transgenerational violence by improving child outcomes through parenting interventions. Can you tell me a little bit more about that project and how it led to your next role at the International Rescue Committee? Sure. So I, uh, I lived in uh, Central America for a number of years. And at that point, I was living in El Salvador. And El Salvador has significant gang violence and communities that are completely controlled by non-state armed actors, i.e. the gangs. And that control is, is total. It is likened to many other non-state armed actors that have taken control in, in other parts of the world. But uh, it is especially dangerous for women, for girls, LGBTQIA community. And as you begin to look into sort of what is what is happening in those communities, and of course, there are all of the poor outcomes that one might expect. So poor school attendance after a certain age, high incidence of hypertension, diabetes, other mental health issues, stress-related issues. And when you begin to look at those communities and you begin to talk with them about you know, what is happening to the communities, what is it that they hope for those communities. And, and it's significant to note that 75% of gang members are recruited by the age of 12, 90% by the age of 18. So many of these communities, there, there are not a lot of paths out other than simply leaving, uh, which right. you know we see in, in some of the migration issues. But when you begin to talk with the communities, you begin to hear stories of the parents of now, of the children now lived through the civil war. And their parents lived through dictatorships. And you begin to hear the, the experience of violence that is not just now, but it is now several generations. And the lack of support for those communities and, and the children and the parents and the grandparents and, and so on to break that cycle. And a lot of it is when we think about usually sort of early childhood interventions, it's very focused on reading, writing, identification, more now and now we do see that social skill piece, but so much of early childhood interventions globally have been very focused on school readiness. Mm -hmm. And that ignores the portion of the stress that's occurring in the house. And so a lot of what I looked at in those communities and, and there are gang controlled communities or many gang members that participated over 50% of gang members are parents. And so many of the participants in the sessions uh, are, are also active gang members, was looking at how, how do they do stress management? How do they begin to write the narrative of their family and create an identity that is not just tied to violence and, and to gangs, but is beginning to create a different narrative for, for their family and their children? That's such incredible work that you're doing, Megan. And I listened to to you speak, it doesn't sound like that traditional nursing pathway that many persons think nurses do. How do you see your work as being different from what maybe a nurse is thought of? That's a great question. 
You know, again, I would say that it is very intrinsically tied to nursing, although your point is, is absolutely valid. It doesn't sound like nursing. But when you, when you do your assessments of people, you're trying to figure out not just, and this is actually why I, I back to your other question. When I was, when I came back to the US um, after Paraguay and I was looking at, I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare and I didn't know if I wanted to do social work or I wanted to do nursing or I wanted to do medicine. And I met this woman who uh, had many, many years worked as a, as a nurse practitioner. And she said to me, well, it's really, it comes down to this. Do you want to look at people or do you want to look at illnesses? Because we're all going to get to the same place. We're all trying to help people. But if you want to be a nurse, then you're thinking about people that have illnesses. If you'd like to go through medicine, then you're thinking about illnesses that people have. You're still coming and you're still looking at the same person, but it's, it's about where you're starting. And so that for me is the same piece here. It's looking at people. What is the issue? The issue is the violence, but actually it's looking at the people first and figuring out how did we get to this place and how do I, how do I understand all the factors that are limiting the options for you and are not allowing you to take advantage of some of the ways that you yourself could make different decisions. And so that to me is very much nursing, whether we're talking about hypertension and diabetes, you know, how, how can I help you make different health choices? I can't give you my personal menu because that probably is not, you know, acceptable or desirable to you, but what is it that's impeding you from making a different kind of choice or opening up different options? And so I see that as very much the same thing, but looking at the whole person and taking that WHO definition is that health is just not the absence of illness, but actually whole person wellness. Thank you. And it's important that we, again, get to say how lucky we are to take care of individuals, not just when they're sick, but to make sure that they maintain a path of wellness. But I did want to go back a little bit to your DMP project. Obviously, a huge part of what you studied at your doctoral degree. How do you think that project informs or impact the work that you're doing today? So it very much informed the work that I did with the International Rescue Committee in the sense that I had to negotiate with the Bocero, who's the speaker for the gangs in the areas. I had to gain access to the communities. I had to gain a certain level of trust to be able to come in and out of the communities, which are fully monitored and controlled of who comes in, who comes out. Sometimes that was speaking with, as I said, the speaker of, of the gangs for that given area. Sometimes that was being videotaped. Frequently that was having my cell phone confiscated and reviewed to see what I might be sharing. Understanding that level in, in a tiny, tiny snippet, because of course I had the option to leave. But understanding that level of stress and control helped me very much understand more about the migration processes that are happening in Latin America and, and more about the needs and more about where potential insertion points might be to help give people access, whether to healthcare, protection, safety, livelihoods, et cetera. So I think that gave me a very different and unique insight in, into some of the factors that are driving migration and, and driving vulnerability and, and violence across the region. At the same time, that work also helped me connect with local actors much, much more. Local NGOs or the community health center, uh, the nurse that goes in day in, day out, gaining access and providing support, faith-based groups. And so really understanding in a much more profound way, the ecosystem of 
who might be able to support people in crisis, whether a humanitarian crisis or a protracted, prolonged crisis. That's wonderful and encouraging to hear for students who are probably going through um, similar projects about where it can take them and how useful it can be as they continue their work in nursing. And it's interesting that we're talking about United States of nursing, but your work has taken you to multiple different countries. So we mentioned Nicaragua, El Salvador and Paraguay, but you've also worked specifically in public health to help women, children, and families reduce violence and build sustainability through economic empowerment. And a lot of this work has to do with policy initiatives. Mm-hmm. How have you navigated this policy space and how does your nursing perspective specifically add value to the work that you do in policy? So policy is interesting because there is, of course, U.S. policy. There's also national government policy in some of the countries that I've worked in. And then there's also international policy. So like with the UN, like humanitarian response plans or with global agreements or or regional agreements uh, related to people's well-being. I think two things that from nursing have uh, helped me be successful in presenting policy or in advocating for certain policy changes. One is communication, learning how to clearly present something situation, background, my assessment, and what my recommendation is. Just knowing that I don't have a lot of your time and I'm going to give it to you really clear what you need. And I've already thought of that assessment. I've already come to the table with what my recommendation is. I think that is definitely something that I pull away from nursing and certainly Hopkins nursing of being a critical thinker and being a concise communicator. I think also nursing is frequently negotiating. You're advocating for your patient. You're trying to figure out what is the best way forward based on my understanding of what my patient needs or what I'm assessing, what I'm seeing, and how can I get that? And being able to take that skill set of here's what I'm seeing, this is what I know is needed, how can we get there and seeking sort of a relentless path forward in the sense that I'm not going to give up, I'm going to figure out, you know, can we take one step forward? Great. Okay, so we've taken one step. What's, What's another way we could take another step forward? And approaching it with a, a learning mindset in the sense that this is what I'm seeing. If you have a better way, like, let's hear it. Let's, let's do that. But seeking that forward movement. Is there anything that you want to do or wish you would do or have done differently considering your nursing background? You know, I always maintain my clinical work and I make sure that I volunteer with different organizations to maintain that clinical work as well and seeing direct patients. I do miss that. And there are times in my career where I have felt far removed from perhaps the population I'm working with. And so seeking to sort of pull myself back in, whether that's ground truthing or whether that's seeking opportunities to make sure that I'm not losing that thread or that ground truthing, I think is is a good way to put it. Things that I would like to do. I am always an advocate for figuring out how to better have interventions led by the people that are receiving them or are impacted by them. If I think about what I would like to do, it's about figuring out how to successfully do that so that that those who are closest to any given challenge are, are given the greatest voice towards finding what the solution to that might be. Certainly the world is your oyster and I have no doubt that the things that you want to do, you will get to do. One last question for you, Megan. You pursued the DNP. 
Why did you choose the DNP as opposed to the PhD? Yes, I looked at both of both the DNP and the PhD. And ultimately, I decided that the DNP would be a better fit because it is about how are you applying clinical knowledge? How are you taking what is the existing body and improving on how practice occurs? And if you look at early childhood interventions and parenting interventions, there are tons of them. And there's also a lot of information about stress relief and reduction. And for me, it was, it was not about creating something new. It was pulling parts together and figuring out how the implementation of those could be better done. And that was really what my project focused around is in a, in a parenting intervention focused on improving outcomes for early childhood. How do we put those two pieces together so that those interventions can be more successful? If I dare say, I think you made a wonderful decision. You are implementing very well. You have had an incredible journey so far, and I cannot wait to see the other things that you will accomplish. You've certainly had global impact, and it sounds like you're pursuing something that is very passionate to you to help individuals live more fruitful lives. So thank you so much for sharing your journey and for speaking with us today. Thank you so much, Tamara. I'm honored to be included alongside so many unbelievable nurses that are listed on the, the 50 states of nursing, some of whom I've, I've had the pleasure of being in classes with or, or working with. So thank you so much for including me. And thank you for listening to the United States of Nursing, a special series of our On the Pulse podcast. To see more about how nurses across the United States are making an impact in their local communities, visit unitedstatesofnursing.org. Hey listeners, consistently ranked as one of the best healthcare jobs, nurse practitioners have provided primary and specialty care to patients across the lifespan for more than 50 years. NPs are in high demand now more than ever due to the shortage of primary care physicians. Is this the next step in your career? Visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse to discover the perfect fit to advance your nursing career.